You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. I find that true in our lives because when we're in a bind, when we're troubled, when things are going on, I mean, the first thing you want to do is, I need prayer. And you're up here and I need prayer. This is all, this is horrible. It's happening to me, you know, and not that you, you do need prayer. But then we pray and the Lord does a miraculous work in your life. You're bad. Things are cool, you know, all of a sudden it's not so urgent anymore. In today's message, Pastor Dave shares how much you need Jesus every single day. You'll learn how much you need Jesus in times of hardship and in times of amazing blessing. Pastor Dave also warns against forgetting the miraculous deeds that the Lord has done in your life, even after your hardship ends. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of Judges chapter 10 as he begins his message, Rejected by Men, Chosen of God. As we made our way through chapter 10, we saw once again that Israel had 45 years of peace and prosperity under two different judges, Tola and Jair. But Israel seemed to lack something towards God. They lacked gratitude. They lacked thankfulness. They lacked a gratitude towards God for his hand that he kept upon the nation. He kept them at peace for 45 years. It's a long time. He sustained the peace the entire time, protected them, guided them. But they didn't give him thanks. They didn't give him glory, nor did they give him honor that he deserved for being their God and accomplishing these great things among them. They forgot the horror of Abimelech. They forgot all the horror that Abimelech and the men of Shechem caused. They forgot the contention and the murders. I mean, peace and prosperity, they were living large. They were living large. And they were enjoying it. And they began to think that they deserved it. That they somehow were responsible for their wealth and their happiness. I find that true in our lives. I find that true in our lives because when we're in a bind, when we're troubled, when things are going on, I mean, the first thing you want to do is, I need prayer. And you're up here and I need prayer. This is all, this is horrible. It's happening to me, you know, and not that you, you do need prayer. But then we pray and the Lord does a miraculous work in your life. You're bad. Things are cool, you know, all of a sudden it's not so urgent anymore. And you kind of sink back as you're rescued and you're on your feet. You forget from whence the prosperity came. You forget from whence the healing came. You forget where all that wonderfulness came from. When in reality, it's a gift of God. God has poured out his love upon you and he's done these wonderful things in your life. But we forget that. 
We don't give him glory. We don't give him honor. We don't give him the devotion that we should. During times of trouble, how many of you make promises to God? Lord, if this would happen, if I could just get out of this, if I could just get over this hump, pay this bill, if I could just do this, I'll serve you more. I'll pray more. I'll read my word more. I'll do all these kind of things. And then he does. He delivers us. And it's like, we forget. We forget. You know me in movies. Crazy movie back in the day called The End with Burt Reynolds and Dom DeLuise. He's dying. And he's been told he's going to die. And that's what the whole movie is about. He's been told he's going to die. But anyhow, at the end of the movie, he's finally going to kill himself. And he runs into the ocean and he swims way, way out there. And he gets real, real far out. And I have no idea, but you can hardly see the land. All of a sudden, he starts splashing around and he goes, I don't want to die. I don't want to die. And he starts swimming back. And he says, God, God, if you save me, I'll give you 100% of everything I own, 100%. And the closer he got to shore, God, God, if you save me, I'll give you 75%. And then he got closer to shore, God, I'll give you 50%. Nobody gives 50%, God. I'll give you 50%. And then he kept on bargaining with God all the way back. See, that's how we are. We get in a jam, and the first thing we do is cry out, Oh, Lord, get me out of this. I'll give you everything I have. And then the Lord saves us, and we're like, oh, look. It's sad, but that's the way we are. We are. And yet he continues to love us. He continues to deal with us and strive with us. And he loves us. See, Israel once again lacked submission to the Lord. If they would only have reviewed their history... Christian, if you would only review your history in God from whence you've come, look back and review it. If Israel had only done that, the making of a great nation, they were led by God, sustained by God, protected by God. If they would only learn from their past experience that God is always faithful. Just like us. If we would only learn from our experience that God has always been faithful. They would have never turned away from Jehovah God. They would have never turned away. They would have never started worshiping the gods of their neighbors, those pagan gods. Had they just reviewed their history, they would have seen a loving, a caring God who nurtured them through the wilderness, who nurtured them through difficult times, who kept them together as a nation, and who drove out their enemies from before them. Had they only remembered God's faithfulness, we're the same. We're the same. And I think that's what makes communion so important. And I think that's why I love the fact that we celebrate communion on the first Sunday of every month. Because it brings us back to center. Because it brings us back to the cross and we remember what was accomplished on the cross. And I think it's so important for us to remember that. And when we get in bad times, when we get in hard times, we too need to remember our history. Where we were and where we are now. We need to remember that and that would help us. Israel was so blessed by God, but they failed to acknowledge him. And once again, they fell into disobedience. Here we go. And once again, God has to hit them with the wooden spoon. He's got to discipline them. He chastened them as a father chastens a rebellious child. 
Sometimes God chastens us. Sometimes he allows difficulties and suffering to come into our lives, usually as consequences to our actions. It's easy to cry out during these times when we're hurting and when we need his help. But like the man in the movie, we make promises, we make vows, thinking that these promises will somehow sway him to be different, somehow will sway him. But once comfortable, we drift. Interesting. The writer of Hebrews in chapter 2, verse 1 says, Therefore, we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. Drifting is a scary thing. Drifting is a real scary thing. And we're all in danger of drifting if we don't keep our focus on the Lord. We don't keep our focus on him. And this is what happened to Israel, unfortunately, time and time and time again. They drifted because they took their focus on the Lord. They slipped in disobedience. And right now, at the end of chapter 10, they're in the throngs of disobedience. And they're in the throngs of discipline. The Lord severely punished them for 18 years. And they cried out for deliverance. But it wasn't until they finally submitted and surrendered to the Lord and put away the idols put away the foreign gods, that he then began to arrange for them their deliverance. So after 18 years of suffering, Israel finally assembles together to face their oppressors. But there's a problem. Look at verse 18 in chapter 10. Now they're all assembled to go against these marauders that have been coming in, these people that have been oppressing them. Verse 18 of chapter 10 says, And the people, the leaders of Gilead, said to one another, Who is the man who will begin the fight against the people of Ammon? He shall be head over all the inhabitants of Gilead. We often wonder in times of suffering. We often wonder in times, even as a result of our own sin. We wonder like they did in 2 Kings 2.14 when they cried out, Where is the Lord of Elijah? Have you ever been... Suffering to the point where you cried out, Where are you, O Lord? Where are you? Can you not hear me? Where are you? Do you not see what's going on in my life? You're here tonight. And that's the question you're asking of the Lord. I can tell you, I know exactly where the Lord God of Elijah is. He's seated on the throne of heaven, he hasn't left. He's still in charge. He's still in control. And he has everything working together for good for those that love him and are their called according to his purpose. I can tell you that. He's never left. He's still there. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He'll be the same forever and ever. His love is constant. It never changes, always flowing towards you. Your circumstances, your sin does not negate the work of the cross. It's finished, complete. Israel is asking in verse 18, where are the Elijahs? Who's going to help us? Where are they? But there seemed to be no suitable guy. There seemed to be no suitable person raised up by the Lord to take control. I found an interesting quote by JFK. Interesting because listen to it and compare it to what's going on today. We the people are the boss. And we will get the kind of political leadership, be it good or bad, that we demand and deserve. Interesting quote. Interesting quote. We get what we deserve. When God's people are submitted to him, 
and are serving him with their whole hearts, he in return sends gifted servants to instruct them and to lead them and to guide them. Enter a man named Jephthah. His name actually means Jehovah will open. He is the man. He is the one that God has chosen now to be the leader of the nation Israel and to lead them back into God's arms. He has been chosen by God to be the deliverer. But there's a problem. Oh, no, he has a past. He has a past. I see a lot of pasts out there today. I see a lot of pasts out there today because if it's one thing we all have is a past. We all have a past. What was Jephthah's past? He was unwanted by his brothers because his mother wasn't their mother. His father had some sort of an illicit affair with another woman. And Jephthah was born. He grew up unwanted, feeling unloved. And because of that, he became the toughest kid on the block. And therefore, he went to live in this place called Tob, known for its band of marauders and murderers. And they all had something in common. They were all tough and tumble. So they banded together. They banded together. These men, rejected by other men, but they were chosen of God. I love that. Rejected by man, but chosen by God. I love that. Why? Well, one thing that comes right off my mind is God chooses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. He does things that are not our ways. Jephthah was unopposed. And as we look at verses 4 to 11, we know that this mighty man of valor had followers. He had sort of an army, but his brothers didn't want him. But the elders of Israel did. Let's read 4 to 11. And it came to pass after a time that the people of Ammon made war against Israel. And so it was when the people of Ammon made war against Israel that the elders of Gilead went to get Jephthah from the land of Tob. They said to him, Jephthah, come and be our commander that we might fight against the people of Ammon. I guess you need the baddest guy around. I guess you need the tough guy. You know what I mean? If, if somebody's going to beat you up, I mean, you know, when somebody came to beat me up, I always used to get my older brothers. You, know, you always want the tough guy when you're getting beat up, right? So they're going, who's, who's the toughest guy we know? Jephthah, he's a mean dude. Let's go get him. He'll take care of us. So Jephthah said to the elders of Gilead, do you not hate me and expel me from my father's house? Why have you come to me now when you are in distress? That's a good question. Wasn't I the one that you called illegitimate or called me some nasty names? Why all of a sudden do you want me? I mean, come on. You don't have anything to do with me now. You want me to do your dirty work. So the elders of Gilead said to Jephthah, that is why we have turned again to you now, that you may go with us and fight against the people of Ammon and be our head over the inhabitants of Gilead. In other words, we want you because nobody can beat you up. You're the baddest guy we know. We want you to be on our side. So Jephthah said to the elders of Gilead, if you take me back home to fight against the people of Ammon and the Lord delivers them to me, shall I be your head? So the elders of Gilead said to Jephthah, the Lord will be a witness between us if we do not do according to your words. Then Jephthah went with the elders of Gilead and the people made him head and commander over them. And Jephthah spoke all the words before the Lord in Mizpah. Interesting, please fight for us. Isn't it how interesting? Have you ever had this happen to you? 
Have you ever had words with somebody or an argument with somebody or just this fragrant discussion with somebody and then all of a sudden you need the person? <laughs> all of a sudden you need them for something? And it's like, uh, well, uh, or, uh, and, um, you know, all of a sudden you have to go talk to this person and after you've just had a words with them or maybe you've treated them poorly your entire life. Well, that's what's happening here. Fight for us. We know we did you bad. We know we did you wrong, but you know, come on. And maybe we've judged you unworthy of our love and support, but you know what? We needed you. But he has a condition for his leadership. He would lead them if they named him ruler. I love this. Can you now, can you imagine the look on the faces of his brothers when he came marching back into town and, and they all said, here's our leader. And they're like, what? What? You gotta be kidding me. This reminds me of Joseph's brothers when they found out Joseph was still alive. You know, we talked about this before. The old Jackie Gleason chick. Humming, 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 humming. They're alive. What do you mean he's alive? Look at this. Or about David's brothers. Can you imagine the look on their faces when they went through the entire line of them? And all of a sudden the Lord says, isn't there another one? Yeah, some little ruddy guy out back. Yeah, bring him out. Can you imagine the look on their faces? They want this punk. They want this little guy. Well, think about it. Or someone else rejected. Someone else rejected from day one, almost for the same reason that Jephthah was rejected. They called him illegitimate. Probably had a few choice words for him too. It was Jesus Christ. He was rejected by his own people. He was rejected by the ones that he was sent to save. They rejected him. Came to his own and his own rejected him. Interesting. But Jephthah takes on the responsibility. He says, I'm going to do this. I like the fact that he speaks of the Lord. I like the fact that. Look at this. In verse 9, if you take me back to fight against the people of Ammon and the Lord delivers them to me, I like that. He's already showing his faithfulness to God. He's always showing that God is in control and the Lord delivers them to me. It's not like if you take me back there and I go out and beat the snot out of these guys, are you going to give me something for my thing? No, he said, no, if the Lord delivers them to me, shall I be your head? And then they make this pact with him. The Lord be witness between us if we don't do it according to your words. So Jephthah is a pretty cool guy, even though he's a rough and tumble kind of sort. He wants to make nice with the Ammonites. So he's going to go out there and he's going to try to negotiate with them. He's going to go out there and he's going to negotiate them. And that's what we see through 12 through 28. We see him negotiating with the Ammonites. Let's read through there and then we'll talk about it. Now Jephthah sent messengers to the king of Ammon, the people of Ammon, saying, What do you have against me that you have come to fight against me in my land? And the king of the people of Ammon answered the messengers of Jephthah, because Israel took away my land when they come up out of Egypt from Arnon as far as Jabuk and to the Jordan. Now therefore, restore those lands peaceably. So Jephthah again sent messengers to the king of Ammon and said to him, 
Thus says Jephthah, Israel did not take away the land of Moab, nor the land of the people of Ammon. For when Israel came up from Egypt, they walked through the wilderness as far as the Red Sea and came to Kadesh. Then Israel sent messengers to the king of Edom, saying, Please let us pass through your land. But the king of Edom would not heed. And in like manner, they sent to the king of Moab, but he would not consent. So Israel remained in Kadesh. And they went along through the wilderness and bypassed the land of Edom and the land of Moab, came to the east side of the land of Moab and encamped on the other side of Arnon. But they did not enter the border of Moab, for the Arnon was the border of Moab. Then Israel sent messengers to Sihon, king of the Amorites, king of Heshbon, and Israel said to him, Please let us pass through your land into our place. But Sihon did not trust Israel to pass through his territory. So Sihon gathered up all his people together, encamped in Jahaz, and fought against Israel. And the Lord God of Israel delivered Sihon and all his people into the hand of Israel, and they defeated them. Thus Israel gained possession of all the land of the Amorites who inhabited the country. They took possession of all the territory of the Amorites, from the Arnon to the Jabbok, and from the wilderness of Jordan. And now the Lord God of Israel has disposed the Amorites from before his people Israel. Should you then possess it? Will you not possess whatever Kamush your God gives you to possess? So whatever the Lord our God takes possession before us, we will possess. And now, are you any better than Balak, the son of Zippor, king of Moab? Did he ever strive against Israel? Did he ever fight against them? While Israel dwelt in Heshbon and its villages, in Arior and its villages, and in all the cities along the banks of Arnon for 300 years, why did you not recover them with that time? Therefore... I have not sinned against you, but you have wronged me by judging, or excuse me, by fighting against me. May the Lord, the judge, render judgment this day between the children of Israel and the people of Ammon. However, the king of the people of Ammon did not heed the words of Jephthah sent him. So this diplomatic solution doesn't work out. He looks for peaceful negotiations. He has arguments trying to get a peaceful negotiation. What do you see interesting? One thing that really endears me to this guy. I like this guy. One thing really endears me to him. He knew scripture. He knew the history of Israel. And he was able to bring it forth and tell the king of Ammon, hey, wait a minute. We didn't come in and take this land at first. We did this, then we did this, then we did this, then we did this. We talked to this king. We talked to that king. You know, He rehearsed all this history. The guy knew his scripture. This is what I was talking about at first. Remember what I said? If Israel had reviewed their history and known what the Lord had done for them, they would have relied on the God's faithfulness. And here you have Japheth relying on God's faithfulness. He was looking for peace. He wasn't looking for a fight. We just studied, as a matter of fact, a while ago in the book of Romans, In Romans 12, in verse 18 of chapter 12, if it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. All he's trying to do is make peace with these guys. He's trying to go about a diplomatic solution without war. You are As our time is coming to a close for the day, you don't have to stop studying God's Word. Feel free to read ahead in the book of Judges and find more teachings from this series online at assurehoperadio.com 
All of Pastor Dave's messages are available to download for free. You can even subscribe to our podcast on iTunes to have updated messages sent right to your computer or phone. Find links at our website. Again, that's assurehoperadio.com. We'd love to pray for you as you journey through this life with Jesus. So please let us know how we can do that. Give us a call at 609-884-5821. That's 609-884-5821. We're so blessed to be able to share God's Word with you with each new edition of Assure Hope. But we want to encourage you to find a local church to attend regularly as well. Being a part of a body of Christ gives you a place to learn and grow with other imperfect people while providing an outlet for your unique God-given gifts. If you're in the Cape May area, we'd love to have you come by Calvary Chapel Cape May. Beginning April 12th, we are moving to two services on Sundays, one at 8.30 a.m. and another at 10.30 a.m. Come join us for worship and Bible study, and we do have childcare available. For more information and to get directions, visit assurehoperadio.com. That's assurehoperadio.com. And that brings us to the end of our program for today. Thanks for tuning in to this verse-by-verse study in Judges. And join us again right here on Assure Hope.